Welcome everyone to the Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello Pete. I just got out of prison. I uh, I have a lot of energy. The Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek for Black Widow is brought to you by Crimson Dynamo Frostbite Cure. You know, fathers. Pete, as we record this on Sunday, July 11th, literally in the last hour, Disney has announced uh, the full scope of box office info. That's because while the movie did a somewhat soft $80 million at the domestic box office uh, and then $78 million in the international box office, uh, the latter of which I think is is probably a, a better case scenario given uh, theater closures due to COVID and so forth. Disney has also added in $60 million from Disney Premier Access purchases. So with that combined total, uh, it is Disney is declaring uh, box office victory. uh, Black Widow over $100 million in the U.S. box office uh, when combining, you know, theatrical and Premier Access and so forth. So while it's the self-touting of self-reported numbers, I think... I know why Disney did that, because the domestic box office numbers were low and it wanted to make it clear to everyone, Disney is just fine, Marvel is just fine, a ton of money was made this weekend, and of course with that Disney Premier Access, none shared with theaters. Yeah, you're not sharing that number unless internally you haven't decided this is a win. It is a win. Uh, Full disclosure... Um, Disney made $60 from the two of us watching this on uh, Disney Plus Premier Access because uh, I'll speak for myself. I'm not going to uh, my local theater, uh, which is uh, poorly run, poorly maintained, uh, overpriced, disgusting, and uh, they cannot uh, verify people are vaccinated or not. And I watched this in the comfort of my own home. Uh, I was able to pause it. I was able to do other things. It was a delightful experience. Uh, Please reconsider this Disney Marvel Studios for Shang-Chi. I would really like to watch it that way. Pete, worst comes to worst, we might have to talk about some other area theaters uh, because my home viewing experience for Black Widow, uh, here's how it was somewhat different than when you and I and my daughter uh, last saw a Marvel movie uh, theatrically, which was uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, Nobody was running in and out of the door. Uh, Nobody was taking out their phone. Nobody was saying... You know, Susan, do you need more popcorn? I have oh, mints. Susan. And things like that. So, yeah. Uh, Pete, the very fact that... Um, the very fact that for every seven people in the U.S. who went to go see Black Widow this weekend, three of them saw it at home. And some of that's obviously rough because, you know, if you have more than one person at home for your $30, you know, blah, blah, blah. A little bit of an estimate there but just figuring ten dollars a person generated if you will um three out of every seven people saw it at home uh if you're a theater owner um i'm sorry that your tummy hurts 
And uh, yeah, you can hope that Disney sticks with what they've said, which is Black Widow is the last Premiere Access movie. But uh, Pete, I predicted that it would not be on Premiere uh, Access at all, and I was wrong. So time will tell as to uh, the future of Premiere Access. Well, you have to wonder if dual releases are now in the offing. But all I know is the comfort, the refreshments, uh, yeah, it, it really could not be beat. Also in our Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast experience, there is the Loki finale next week and super excited to see where that uh, where that six episode run ends up, including is the door left open to more seasons, uh, which you know buzz is that the door is open more for Loki than it was for the previous two shows. Yeah, we've got the first five episodes uh, podcast ready for you on the Loki podcast by Fantastic Geek. Hopefully, uh, you have been with us for wandavision you've been with us there for falcon and the winter soldier all that up on uh fantasticgeek.com as well as apple podcasts and for those who are listening on the marvel movie podcast feed big thanks to the listener who told us that some of the uh, older movies were missing there actually were a couple of technical things going on behind the scenes both of them uh which made me uh unhappy but i was happy to, to get the info there uh, at the end of the month, we're going to be fixing everything behind the scenes, um, and it should be all smoothed out at that point. Uh, that may result, again, for Marvel Movie Podcast uh, subscribers, that may result in some older episodes being re-downloaded on your end. I'm not quite sure what the effect is going to be uh, on your podcast app of choice, so apologies in advance if that happens. That certainly is not our intention, but if that gets the fix where everything is is the way it should be and in the right order and so forth. Um, that might be an unintended consequence. So keep an eye out for that in the end of July, early August. Um, again, best case scenario, all the movies are there and all of a sudden you don't have a whole bunch of stuff downloading to your device. Uh, worst case scenario, you have a bunch of stuff, which maybe you haven't listened to before. Maybe you have, whatever it might be. But uh, ultimately, big thanks to the listener who said, hey, missing some stuff and we're working on the fix. Yes, enormous shout out there to Pisces Girl 9. If only Matt Apple Podcast would work the way it's supposed to work. To be fair, I don't know if this was an Apple Podcast thing or a storage thing. I'm not I'm not quite sure what the what the what the original sin was here, but we're we're getting it sorted out and uh, and hopefully that fixes there in the next couple of weeks. More soon than that, Pete, is the Loki prize that we are running to win a Loki t-shirt. So you can keep an eye out on our social media, uh, both the Twitter and the Facebook, for uh, a tweet talking about just that. And if you interact with it in any way, like, quote, tweet, uh, I don't know, tail dragger from a plane, whatever it might be, then you're in the running to win a t-shirt. Yes, we're going to give away two more, uh, one in our finale podcast, one in our rap podcast for Loki. So get yourself on that. When we catch you up on what went down, our prologue, Matt, Ohio, 1995, and Matt, what else was going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in 1995? Uh, well, not a whole lot. I know there was uh, what? 
well, I know there was Captain Marvel and her okay. stuff. There was Nick Fury <laughs> with one, perhaps both eyes. Uh, there was a cat who had recently, or would recently, would would soon to be eating uh, a tesseract. But um, that's that's it for that's it for my 1995 MCU knowledge. Very seldomly, Matt, will we take Mary Kirk, uh, Marvel's grand dame super fan, to task. And actually, I'm not doing it. Her very close friend Sarah Lloyd is doing it. But she wrote into us on the Facebook there that Mary did not catch that the Black Widow prologue was taking place during Captain Marvel. And she did. Sarah did. And uh, she needs someone to appreciate that. So not only do I appreciate that, Matt does, but all the listeners do. So uh, score one for Sarah. Sorry, Mary. Hashtag Team Sarah there. Um, A very able introduction in that scene in terms of establishing the family dynamic i know we're gonna obviously poke holes in it pretty quickly but the 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 psychological family dynamic if not uh genetic also just in case you weren't clear about uh what dad could do or not you know he rips that truck out of the way hey he's got superpowers uh then soon enough pete they take the presumably one tank full of gas from ohio to cuba even though it's bahamas playing cuba um can we assume off screen that the plane landed several times to quickly refuel before they continued, which would have maybe had a little bit less cinematic pop, but is the way, you know, gas engines work? I was a little bit more concerned with Alexi being on the wing, uh, Melina having been shot. <laughs> the immediacy of all of that, that the fuel situation, Ohio to Cuba didn't even cross my mind. Matt, uh, you know my brother, a pilot for a, uh, a national, international commercial airline that I'm not going to give uh, any kind of corporate bump here, especially since uh, we attempted to refund uh, almost $3,000 worth of tickets yesterday, and they were awful about it. Uh, but two, that um, my family had uh, small airplanes uh, as I was growing up. And to fly from New Jersey to uh, Florida, we had to refuel in the Carolinas. So, yeah, without having my brother on here to verify that, I can tell you they needed a lot of fuel to get there. And apart, again, from the urgency of the adults in and on the plane pete and this is not a this is not a broadside slam against the film but i will just say little things like this uh may be part of the reason why the movie went through three different writers at three different times um yes it's a happy story looking back because jack schaefer who wrote the first uh the first version of the script then was dismissed from it ended up on wandavision the head writer there so on and so forth but Again, little little areas where the puzzle pieces might not fit together great are because, among other things, this went through not just the normal multiple drafts of making a movie, but the, the core story itself. Regardless, Pete, we have the family split apart. Wait, I thought Dad was being a nice dad. Then the two girls get syringed uh, in Bahamas slash Cuba. And um, it's, it's an engaging opening. I mean, what does this prologue need to do? It needs to set set the table at least initially and again i know we're gonna 
you know, we, the story of the movie, will be deconstructing the nature of this family and how real it was or not. But in a couple of scenes, we have conflict, we have relationships, we have the situation all made clear. The writing situation is definitely evident when you look at this entire work. That's okay, though. Um, it, It ultimately, for me, was quite engaging it's funny, Matt. I've read a lot of people saying, I went in with low expectations. For me, it was exactly the opposite. And I have to think for a lot of people listening, it was the opposite. I went in with very high expectations. Ultimately, I feel they were met. Um, it is a, a tale of two halves in this film. Uh, I texted Matt, when does this become potentially marvel's greatest movie ever which no lie is feedback that's out there i don't think it's that i think it's a super super strong entry uh i now regret texting matt that because the second half of this film is pedal to the metal you get to the reunion and on forward i could not stop this movie I must have stopped it like three times. Granted, I was interrupted, but it's funny. No one, no one ran through my private theater. Uh, no one, you know, uh, vomited candy all over the floor. Uh, it, it was, it was fine. It was the way I would have preferred to do it. But just looking at this prologue here, you know, the the super idyllic, you know, Ohio to the change that comes with obviously the the family needing to flee and then ultimately into this dystopian um, opening credit scene. But, you know, the the thing that that struck me, and again, talking about the, the different fingerprints of different artists throughout this, you know, whole um, with uh, Natasha and Yelena being seen as children for the first time, just the subtlety there, you know, the upside down, obviously you return to that, that's cyclical. Um, but the, uh, the line about who will fall first and, you know, the coming full circle with what we know about Natasha at this point. Um, that really resonated for me. It resonated even more with that credit scene. Well, and as we head into the the main uh, body of the story, its main point uh, in the timeline, of course, a post-Civil War Nat who's on the run from Ross uh, in, in Norway, ultimately. I did appreciate the kind of double double phone trick thing that that she does it raises the question pete um from this time forward or rather from october 5th or 6th forward which is when everybody will have access to this on on disney plus um does one watch black widow um you know in the future if you do if you sit and go oh, I'm gonna do a rewatch um or if somebody's brand new to the mcu do you watch black widow um as the 23rd or 4th whatever it is in the series uh, or do you watch it right after civil war i have to think since this was intentionally made to fit into that space and, and pete i know you're sitting there as a star wars fan saying oh no this sounds like the machete cut 
This sounds like they're messing with hashtag my Star Wars. But so let me ask you this, Pete. If you ever choose well, can, to do... Can, can I just make it clear? I'm not a hashtag my Star Wars person. Like, my Star Wars is all Star Wars. True enough. But uh, speechifying aside, Pete, would you watch this film 24th in the series or would you watch it right after civil war well i think on october 6th you're gonna have your answer i look forward to watching this film now that i have premiere access to it and it ain't going anywhere uh over and over and over which i will um on october 6th they will slide it in the now uh you know categorized in the marvel section of disney plus uh, by chronological order, which starts with First Avenger and then um, uh, Captain Marvel. Uh, so they'll slot it where they feel that it needs to go. Uh, as mentioned, we have Secretary Ross showing up. I feel, and I have to go back, I have to go back and look, Pete. I've only seen the movie once so far. I think that the shot that we saw of William Hurt in the previews which looked like bad de-aging CG um, I don't think that shot was ultimately in the final film which is okay William Hurt's scenes kind of looked like William Hurt was wearing William Hurt makeup I understand that uh, you know time has gone by for this man now 71 years old um, and and one must de-age him somehow but I, I think that whether there was a time crunch, which maybe there wasn't since they got an extra 14 months, or or just in creating a better edit, maybe they said, you know what, we can turn off the CG here and just stick with the footage we have of him dressed like William Hurt circa 25, 30 years ago. The line about the, uh, the triple bypass, and yes, they've talked about the character's health before, I thought that was a means of describing his appearance. I mean, I don't know anything personally about William Hurt's health. Um, and obviously the character, you know, bookends the narrative. Um, but yeah, I, I think the DH was silly and thank goodness it didn't make the final cut. The uh, story continues to Morocco, where we have Elena ultimately gassed, and it's the first instance of uh, the gas shall set ye free, that sort of thing. Um, and that, of course, kicking off her own sense of self-awareness, and uh, I guess also in a certain sense her being the her her being more than an anti-hero, an outright co-hero in this movie. Florence Pugh, man, I did not think I was going to enjoy her performance to the level that I did. And what this scene does is both establish the purpose in this film and seemingly the character's purpose after until we catch up with her in 2023 and that end credit scene and what she may be doing next. Uh, but yeah, she killed it. I think she did a phenomenal job in terms i mean the the subtle uh humor that goes on later in the film um you know and i think i've just seen her at this point in in little women and i know about the the controversy over her playing herself you know and her age and then obviously much younger um but as a counterpoint to um scarlett johansson and 
let's be clear they're they're turning over the idea of a black widow to her uh this is a baton pass as well and you know for for pew to get this purpose here in this opening scene her introduction essentially to the marvel cinematic universe i i think a complete and total slingshot uh it's around this time too when taskmaster gets activated now pete you know i run spoiler free uh and in a certain sense it's been easier to run spoiler free um because of the covid delay in terms of there was a certain fervor that was building for the film and then it was delayed a year and um obviously the the marketing and whatnot has come back but it kind of wasn't this cohesive like oh man, let me look away from the YouTube ad. All right, I'm going to go to Target. Oh man, there are the toys. What? Taskmaster attacks in Budapest? Like, it was, it was just a little easier to avoid things. And Pete, with Taskmaster being activated, this masked mystery person, I have good news to report here, okay? I knew who was in the cast. I had seen enough from the from the preview to know, like, all right, the masked Taskmaster, it's not going to be Scar Joe. it's not going to be Florence Pugh, David Harbour, uh, Rachel Weiss. I said, Pete, I know how these Marvel movies work. Okay, there hasn't been much footage uh, of O.T. Fagbenli's character in the in these previews that I've seen on and off now for a year and a half. Uh, seems like he's playing a nice, reliable, reliable guy. I know how Marvel movies work. The nice, reliable person in the first act gets revealed to be your enemy in the second act. And Pete. Obviously, I was wrong, but I want you to know, as soon as O.T. Fagbenley's Rick Mason came on, I was like, yep, that's that's uh, that, that's Taskmaster, going to be smarter than your average bear, going to figure it out, or going to get the clues here to support it. And Pete, it didn't happen. Thanks, Marvel. You, I like that yeah. they faked you out, Matt. Um, a lot of people seem super down on Marvel Studios' design for Taskmaster. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the way, okay, we're going to copy, uh, the, the different heroes. You, you see it evident in the, uh, the Hawkeye, uh, with the bow. You even see a little Black Panther, Matt, with the claws, um, that really resonated for me. Uh, and, you know, it's not the greatest twist in the movie, but it's a great twist in the movie is making this the girl that um, Natasha uh, believed that she had murdered, um, freeing herself from uh, the Red Room. And, you know, the the resonance that comes around. I mean, you know, that's set up in that first half. And at times, I like I told you, I, I felt it was a little slow, but it really comes full force in the in the second half. And uh, I think Taskmaster, as a pretty one-dimensional character from the comics, gained far more in this film. Okay, so maybe you didn't like the design. I, I thought it did everything it needed to do. I, I mean, I thought it was a it was a visually attractive design. Um... A little I mean, Cylon okay. action, kind of, yeah. with the uh, with the visor too. The 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 kind of the the mouth type shape, and at one point somebody says, you know, smile. Um, 
yeah, to me, I, at no point did I look at it and say this is not working for me. Um, in fact, just a quick click on Wikipedia here for Taskmaster as a uh, as a comics character. I'm looking at the picture that they have there, which is from 1980. It's a comic cover from 1980. I'm like, okay, yeah, like they it wasn't a direct transfer, but okay, I see the I see how they translated the one to the other. Uh, and also, I think worth keeping in mind, Pete, that a lot of the well, I don't need to remind you, Pete, reminding our listeners. Um, a lot of the Marvel Studios um, behind-the-scenes people, like the the you know the the conceptual artists and whatnot, some of them have been with Marvel Studios since the beginning. So if there is a certain house style, it's not just you know Kevin Feige saying I like these prints and not those prints. It's sometimes it's the same handful of people who go, okay, I read the script. Uh, let me start to you know, let me start to draw a taskmaster and it's, you know, you could be pulling from the same one, three, five people, whatever it is to get you an, an initial jumping off point. So, you know, I, Pete, we're 24 movies in, there's a house style to Marvel. Um, there was a honest trailers that I saw in the last month or two. I think it was Marvel versus Marvel studios versus DC films, that kind of thing. And it was like Marvel studios consistently delivers B pluses with the occasional A versus DC that gives you really, really great or really, really terrible. Um, it's like, yeah, there's there's a house style that delivers a basic B plus foundation, and you build to that. If you think the Taskmaster outfit is not great, okay, it's a B plus that maybe didn't quite work for for this person or that person. And I think they hint at in the design the character wearing the suit. Um, you know, with what's going on in the face, even a little bit with, uh, you know, the, the cow type of thing there. And, and then when you see it's a woman underneath, I, I think it all makes sense. So I was really appreciative of that. The Mason thing, uh, it's interesting that the character essentially winds up being a, a Q, uh, that he's providing support. Okay, there's a little pushback with Natasha there. Um, you know, it's funny how much seemingly in plain sight so many of the things that wind up twisting around in this film really are. Uh, but again, at the same time, I can appreciate it. Big fan of OT Fag Bentley. Uh, haven't caught him on The Handmaid's Tale, which I've just, you know, raced through and completely enjoyed. And I can absolutely appreciate that uh, the um, MCU would pluck him out of uh, that tremendous show. And I think, too, like when my wife saw him on screen, she's like, oh, that's the husband from Handmaid's Tale. I think given the high profile of that show certainly amongst, you know, kind of the awards circuit and whatnot, um, it did have me wondering, like, was, is he bigger than this part? And then you say, Pete, you know who was bigger than the part they wrote him? Uh, that would be Clark Gregg in his first outing as Coulson. And you know what? It worked out okay. I'm, I, I do contend, like, O.T. Fagbenley, great actor and great presence on screen, and it would have been nice to have double the scenes. That was not this movie. This movie did not need guy who gets you stuff in 8, 12, 15 scenes, probably the, you know, the 3 to 5 he was in sufficed. But now I'm officially on the lookout. Okay, he's not going to show up in the Loki finale because that's just a different flavor, but 
you know, could he show up in Ms. Marvel? Uh, maybe. Could he show up in Hawkeye? I think there are some connections from this movie to Hawkeye. Just point being, as Marvel Studios kind of resets post-Endgame, and, you know, not just uh, narratively, but also in terms of getting new people in who are on their way up, who aren't maybe super-duper expensive, you know, is there a secret uh, OT Fag Benley contract where he's going to show up in a supporting role in two other movies and in three other shows maybe i'm primed for more rick mason yeah definitely replenishing the uh the ranks as it were here um that natasha's watching moonraker in the safe house and it's funny how disney plus lists the film that gives it science fiction first and then it goes action adventure and then like the, the spy genre stuff. And it's, it's funny that again, they were really hinting at, if not, you know, in broad daylight where this film is going, Matt, with the, the red room compound helicarrier esque type of thing that, you know, that was a complete and total bond fortress and worth mentioning pete though moonraker is widely uh widely thought of as silly nowadays before casino royale it was the number one grossing bond film so sometimes silly is the right kind of silly sometimes house style you can change a little bit but sometimes people are there to have fun um pretty quickly enough the story takes us to the bridge attack which is a nice it's a nice story point in term, in addition to it being, you know, it's really there's some really really great stunt work here in the bridge attack and and throughout the whole film, but when there's that switch where you go, a there's the imitation happening and b wait, Black Widow, star of Black Widow, starring Black Widow, is not the star of this fight, which is to say, uh, Taskmaster is not there to stop her, to get her, to kill her, to anything her. There's a completely other mission going on here for Taskmaster. It's a nice twist. I did not see that coming. I just assumed at all times baddies are coming for the star of the movie. Yeah, to flip the script here and, you know, so soon after Civil War, um, you know, before, obviously, Infinity War and now everything that we know with uh, Nat's character, yeah, to have her not be the target obviously we know she survives so you've got to defeat that tension somehow and go after the vials and have her get away which ultimately is going to lead us to budapest Buda, budapest how, how do you say it uh, pete you can say it however you want to uh we get the safe house reunion here i wonder if at one point like was there a discussion in the edit room like we have the attack uh, imitation on the bridge and then we have the uh two two sisters from other misters who are equally powered not quite imitating themselves but they both know the same stuff it only occurs to me now is my point pete it didn't feel like two scenes in a row where there's mirroring going on so it's if nothing else it's a great way to establish um the idea that florence Pugh's character that yelena is the equal to uh, Natasha Romanoff. The vibe between um, Johansson and Pugh in this film, I think, is 
it's not the soul of it. I think the the family dynamic is, but like you said it before, sisters from different misters and you know how that all comes around from you know reuniting here uh, the last time having been stripped from one another, separated. And then, you know, the, the, the killing of Drakov that, uh, Yelena is essentially dooming herself and that Natasha rescues her, um, and the way that she does it. Yeah. I, I really, really enjoyed the, the way in which it comes full circle. There's the attack sequence there with the other widows and the notion of being able to free them. Have to mention Pete got a lot of got a lot of play in my home theater. The one, um, <laughs> the the one widow with the the leg that's bent. Um, I, I I saw on Wikipedia, you know, at one point there was a rumor that this was going to be an R-rated movie, which is ridiculous. Maybe Blade. Uh, you know, the Marvel Studios Blade, which we have not had an update on since, since it was announced in 2019. Maybe that will be R-rated. Otherwise, let's just assume every Marvel movie is going to be PG-13. But part of how you get that is the bent leg. You know, there's no bone, there's no blood, but just the bent leg there really was like, you know, if you caught it, it was like, yikes, it kind of kind of went through you. That we get, I, I thought we'd get, a flashback, you know, that, that, uh, Jeremy Renner's voice appears in this film and not himself. And then obviously, all right, a, a still image of him later on. Pete, does that leave you wanting more from Hawkeye? Cause maybe that's why <laughs> they didn't give you the drink the, now. Cause you got to stay thirsty for this fall when the Hawkeye show comes out. It, it's true. My point is, I had assumed from the moment that this film was announced and then the knowledge that it was, uh, you know, not in the current timeline and, and was a flashback essentially that, all right, you're going to give us the Budapest story that, all right, we now know what it was and what happened. You, you'd thought you'd get an action sequence with that. And we still may, I mean, that's, I think, on the table though they're saying Johansson is done I really feel there's no way Scarlett Johansson is done in the MCU um I am inclined to agree that there's about this way that there's the potential I really do think um I think that we'll call it I know it's you know technically phase four in the MCU but I think that um so much was built towards Endgame, including so much in salary. And I think that a lot of that was necessary, and a lot of that was how you do Marvel Studios for the first 10 years. I think that the next 10 years of Marvel Studios, it's going to be much more selective in how they pick people. My point is this, Pete. Scarlett Johansson, if she says, hey, I will come back to be... um to be the mentor character in Black Widow 2 starring Yelena and I'll be a hologram like a la Captain Janeway or something like that. I think that there may be scenarios, just as they said, a very uh, heartfelt and um, congenial goodbye to Robert Downey Jr. Same thing to Chris Evans. Part of that was, hey, Bob, you're going to make $80 million from Endgame. This has been a great run. 
Going to ask you to turn in that Disney lanyard. Going to take back that parking pass because guess what? It's $80 million. It's not going to be $80, $80 million and one more dollar and one more. We're kind of leaving the past in the past. So I do wonder if somebody of her um, of her scope and frankly of her cost making $15 million plus in this, uh, in this uh, movie as actor and producer, f- cost may be a factor. Time will tell. I just wonder and I hope that the solo film doesn't wind up being a send off. Um, you know, the, the secrecy that pervades uh, Marvel studios is rivaled, maybe only maybe surpassed by star Wars. But I, I think we all want to see the character again. Uh, yeah, she's, she's dead as of end game. We know how things can change. What if, Matt, we see her again. We hear her again. Uh, time will tell. Really appreciate it. There's not a ton of humor in this film, and I think given the the subject, you know, uh, female child soldiers, it's not really rife for a lot of humor and understated when it's there, and it's primarily uh, at the butt of a man, which is, hey, that that's absolute fair play. Um, one obsessed with the uh, action figures and, and himself, uh, again, also, uh, that is fair play. <laughs> um, I love that the, the joke between the sisters and, you know, the, the gas station scene here with, you know, how, uh, Natasha poses herself and then ultimately later she does it, um, Elena does and and finds it gross. <laughs> it's it's a great callback. It's a it's a great thing. Uh, you just hope, Matt. Is there some way? And she's twenty five. Okay, Florence Pugh is. Deadpool's a couple years out. That we could somehow get the the character who despises the superhero landing and the guy who calls out superhero landings. Can we somehow get them together? I mean, in the power of Disney, absolutely. Like, there's no reason... And I don't mean to boil this down again to, like, a a cost thing, but there's no reason where if you have Florence Pugh has such and such a deal, let's say, for the next four years with Disney, well, you might already have the flexibility in there to go and do a Disney plus 45-minute special. Meanwhile, Ryan Reynolds has a deal, uh, I'm imagining, has a deal... Uh, that's been expanded for Deadpool and with other Disney stuff. Hey, he's got one to do a Disney Plus special as well. Great, let's do uh, Yelena and Deadpool through the multiverse. You know, is it animated? Is it live action? Whatever it is. Um, it's in the last week that Kevin Feige really spoke to emphasizing the kind of cross-platform flexibility. Uh, that's what they're looking for out of actors. So, Pete, it's more possible now than ever. You know, if this was 10 years ago, you'd say... No, Thor is a movie character, and I know why Thor didn't show up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 105, 106, uh, when they went to do cleanup in London after Thor 2, because uh, he's a movie guy, man. Nowadays, sure. I mean, heck, Pete, I know we've teased it a little bit. Don't want to blow anybody's minds too much. We'll be seeing Florence Pugh in this role on Disney Plus before the end of the calendar year. 
So right there, sure. Next stop, Deadpool. Is that confirmed? She shot for Hawkeye. Um, I don't know, Pete. For once, I get to spoil you. <laughs> yes, she will okay. be in Hawkeye. I don't know whether it's a one shot. No pun intended. I don't know to what degree. Um, she's the, the end of this movie. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You're supposed to go. Oh wow, she's gonna. I haven't heard anything about the Hawkeye. And then you go, when you see the ads this, I don't know, August or September, you're going to go, oh, wait, Hawkeye. Wait, is she coming to get him? And Pete, probably Hawkeye episode 103. Who could it be who just took the shot at our favorite Clint Barton? Wait, who is that in the shadows? It's Elena Belova. Well, I wonder if they're going to Richard E. Grant her. Um, And again, I mean, Richard E. Grant was not in a ton of scenes of the one asterisk one plus episode of uh, Loki, but you know, I think it's all, um, it's all possible. And I think of, uh, who's it? Florence Kinsumba, who was in an episode or two of Falcon and the winter soldier. Like if we counted scenes, if we counted lines, if we counted minutes, she's not in it for a ton of time, but her shadow looms large. Um, so yeah, start the countdown. Finally, the Red Guardian's time has come. Yeah, I mean, David Harbour, super fun character here. Pete, it's the most successful, red-wearing, movie comic book character David Harbour has ever played in the last two or three years. <laughs> um, he's great in it. I have to admit, like, look, every, every actor, well, Pete, I was going to say every actor can play any role. Scarlett Johansson has taught us there are limits to that. However, I will say, obviously, David Harbour, best known for and beloved from Stranger Things, uh, the notion that Hop is now working for the Russians. Wait, no, that's a different character. <laughs> but last time we saw him was a post-credit thing where he was with the Russians. And now he's there. It was just this delicious carryover, which is, again, it's probably a little unfair because they're just getting a guy of his build and his level of stardom and his price and whatnot for this movie. But uh, Pete hop is back and he's in the prison playing a character named Alexi mourning a character named Alexi, uh, this captain America envy that he has, you know, to reintroduce him in the prison with the beard, you know, uh, obviously the overlap between the, the shoot on this, the shoot on the stranger things this is um and to we we know obviously he's a super soldier that's a lot of the gag in the prison sequence um and to have the you know foster daughters spring him and then have this avalanche and to create the tension there okay it's the quarter post to the third post of of the movie we know that he survives obviously to be there for more but still a tremendous amount of tension for this uh character heist and i think too you know where where some of the um where some of the the more high-minded criticism of this movie um has pointed out like many a Marvel movie, it brushes on larger issues but doesn't really commit. I mean, A, I'll just again return to, that is part of the house style. Like, they're not here... For, for, for as high the heights went for Black Panther in terms of showing 
black excellence and Afrofuturism and all of that, um, most Marvel movies are happy to give you a little bit of vegetable along with, you know, your cotton candy and popcorn. Um, however, to have to have the Alexi character here, A, he's trying to connect with his girls, and I think that it's a very kind of male perspective to be like, hey, I haven't seen you in 20 years. Let's pick up right where we left off, as opposed to acknowledge some of the slings and arrows that have occurred. Um I think it's capturing some some gender and some maybe generational issues here. Yes, very quickly. It's not finding a solution to these problems. If anything, Pete, some of the gender stuff in this movie, it's not quite as potent coming off of WandaVision that had more time to explore uh, some issues of, of gender coming off of Falcon that had more time to explore issues of race. Um coming off Loki that had much less time put on, but, uh, you know, also an opportunity to reflect on uh, orientation and whatnot. Fine, this movie gives you less stuff about gender. It's the nature of a two-hour and 15-minute movie as opposed to some of these longer pieces. It is what it is, and make uh, Alexei Shostakov, make him the boob of all these jokes all you want, because it was a ton of fun. Yeah, you know, he's the buffoon, but he's the lovable buffoon who tries really hard to be this surrogate father uh that oh yeah we got plenty of fuel and that the helicopter just falls from the sky great it's, gag great gag it, I, it is it's yeah. outlandish but within the flavor of what you're doing and you know now we've hit the half point of the movie and now i send my text to matt and you know i actually I, I paused this over the course of a day and now i'm uh eating my words as the family is reuniting and they are eating dinner you know the the scene that was foremost in the advertising and boy they were not selling it short yeah no it's a great scene um i mean all the characters motivations are laid bare there uh, i'm reminded of the wise words of paul thomas anderson that said uh, who said if you don't know what to do with uh, your characters um have them drink coffee and smoke cigarettes obviously pete a little less cigarettes nowadays but you know the point being give them a place where they can start to talk and the characters will start to talk to each other and reveal themselves uh and you know we have that here um, we have, you know, Alexi's, uh, I don't know, very direct method, uh, <laughs> including, uh, you know, all the energy that he has straight out of prison. Um, mom as the intellectual, uh, certainly comes across here. And what I did not expect was, um, to see Elena who so bought into the family dynamic and now she's right. being universally told it was just a job. We we knew it was a fake thing while we were in the midst of it. You should have known that too. We all knew that the Ohio thing was fake. Oh, one day there's going to be an adventure where we all have to leave. You know, blah blah blah. Uh, kind of get over it. Um, it's a moment of real pathos there from Florence Pugh, uh, Oscar nominee for Florence Pugh. The the different slices of this scene, you know, that Johansson is, you know, the sane one in the room all right we're gonna stop this this is what we're gonna do that um melina and rachel weiss man 
I, I don't think we can say enough in the, the little screen time that she has, what a tremendous job she does. You know, this, this actress, a action heroine in her own right. Um, you know, the, the seasoned pro here, uh, you know, still mothering after all these years, you know, don't slouch, um, to have Yelena over there, the, the silent brooding one. And then, you know, you've got Harbor, you know, and, and his show going on there. And the thing that, you know, this scene extending into the two that follow with Alexi, uh, speaking to her and injecting, obviously the, the toilet humor, literally, um, and what winds up building as the greatest twist in the film, the discussion between Melina and um, uh, Natasha. Uh, but, you know, I felt the longing of um, Pew's character, and I felt the frustration and the tinges of regret from Natasha you know, and again, though it is evident that a number of writers worked on this, this is the Marvel Studios method that they unite it into a whole that may be better than the sum of its parts. Particularly since um, the movie does not come off as a sneaky attempt to reboot the Black Widow moniker but what's your end result by the end of it you go oh man scarlett johansson since 2010 oh my good she was we were all so much younger then and she was so much less famous and oh there are some lions and iron man too that haven't aged too well and here she is this strong independent woman and and oh boy scarlett johansson black widow forever hey florence Pugh is the new black widow like you kind of don't to say it out loud the movie doesn't the movie doesn't deliver that but the movie has you thinking that three years from now when when Yelena shows up in the next Avengers movie or whatever, I'm making this up, but when you know when she shows up, Black Widow logo on her belt or something, you're gonna go, Yup, I'm emotionally there. I'm there. The the one thing in this scene with the poor pig, of course, named after uh Harbor's character, I could not have been the only person that's perhaps the one thing I would have liked to have seen in a film uh, theater, you know, where there gasps as the pig is gasping for air. Please let the poor pig live. Even though I know this is a performance and a film 11 seconds from death. Like th they got me there too. Uh, Pete, is there, is there a, a, a Marvel one shot? Do we get a what if? Do we get, here's what I'm trying to say, Pete. Hashtag justice for Piggy. When are we going to get that? Is there maybe, let, let's use all the toys in the Disney toolbox here. Do you maybe get an alternate telling of this movie with the pig as a star starring Miss Piggy? I mean, come on, it's right there. It's right there. Disney has not known what to do with the Muppets ever since they got the rights in the early 2000s. Here's your opportunity retelling the mcu through through you know it's muppet christmas carol but muppet mcu come on can we get those instead of the not so great simpsons ones oh so pete it was terrible it was terrible i the, haven't watched the loki one yet in in, in full disclosure the, it the was horrendous one. okay All right. and, and with one i i thought i 
enjoyed. Um, but that the beginning of this scene, the transition from outside to inside, you know, the discussion of booby traps that she didn't raise her fake daughters uh, to be victims, that they showed us the facial veils that then we know the red room is coming that it's all there and that's why rewatch is going to be such a delicious uh experience that they gave it to us without realizing it and the effective use of flashback as we arrive at the red room and then the twist hits yeah i think that um i'll echo what you said about the rewatch i think that um most of these movies there's a degree of craftsmanship crafts craftspersonship um that maybe doesn't come across while you're chomping on popcorn um and so forth but on, on the rewatch you realize all of these internal parts really measure up uh nicely and you know my biggest memory of the red room i think we had some red room footage in one of the earlier marvel movies but then there was a whole uh did 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 we matt or was it elsewhere because for the first time it's truly connected well and that's why i couldn't remember i know that there was an agent carter um a major a- agent carter villain um how who... dare you forget Dottie? how dare you uh, pete i didn't i was just uh setting up look agent carter Hashtag, was a long time ago it's all connected for the first time it's truly connected so are you telling me that they used footage from agent carter that that was some of the stuff here or are you not going no, no 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 no, oh, okay. no but just that we have you know all, all the red room stuff that's come before all this all fits together yeah and that that was nice that was nice to see pete all it took was 24 movies and marvel (laughs) television as a division being completely uh dissolved and whatnot um as you say though we get the twist where there's the reveal that the 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 daughter antonia who who we saw through uh through nat's eyes had been killed in fact was not killed um i I buy the sympathy of, and it's a sympathy that they kind of undo at the end, let me say. But this notion that she was barely alive and that, that Drakov, in a certain sense, needed to chip her. I mean, I, I, I'm not justifying him in any way, but just that she was so badly damaged that to make her this automaton was the only way that she could possibly continue to, to have some kind of life. Um, I think there's a there, there's a dramatic pathos to that, which again at the, at the end they're trying to have their cake and eat it too in terms of wait n- d- does she remember? Well, not if she had a catastrophic brain injury that you made me believe could only be solved with chipping her and turning into an automaton. But hey, um, sure we can have cake and eat it too. But a really great use of the character, and again, Pete, uh, not Rick Mason. My jaw hit the floor that they duly. Uh what's the word I'm looking for here? Cement the character that she is also under the spell of uh, what she needs to inhale the gas for. Um, and that that frees her and that she's still in play. Um, I, I think makes that super 
over convenience. I mean, we'll we'll wait for the uh, the pitch video in the next several days. You know, yep, we're just going to have a vial fall from the sky and land right between these two female characters in a fight. Uh, but wait, this this Bond, uh, you know, fortress just fell from the sky and you're going to have this super delicate vial just land between them. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, barely even an inconvenience. Um, while we're talking about things falling from the sky, um, I'll just point out somewhat pedantically, there is such a thing as terminal velocity. When you are falling and the debris is falling, you can't suddenly, uh, fall faster than the debris. Um, cause that's how physics works. Unless you have rocket packs, which would make it more a Falcon and the Winter Soldier kind of vibe. I give I give the movie all the benefit of the doubt in terms of it's a very very ambitious um, scene. Couple of moments where I said, "Oh, again with the green screen." Like I realized that this was mostly shot before um, a wider spread ability to do not just the LED screens like Mandalorian uses, but the mental planning that that takes. I.e., you do all your special effects before you put the actor in there, not after, but. There were a couple of ScarJo shots where it's like, oh, even with an extra 14 months, it kind of looks green screened. But it's a very ambitious scene. It's a very fun scene. Um, I, Pete, I look forward probably because some of these YouTubers are really fast. Probably sometime this week, there's going to be the here's the science presentation of here's how long they were falling. Here's how quickly they would reach terminal velocity. So here's now we're going to do the basic math and go, hey, they were falling for only 400 miles the earth's atmosphere is 20 miles you know whatever it is but it, it's all in good fun even on my 60 inch uh tv i did not detect the green screen stuff i do know that they film against green screens it's this willful uh suspension of disbelief i really enjoyed it you know from the moment we had seen in the trailers this you know cataclysmic falling scene you know i thought it would be much less and it's a sequence i really really liked so that there's more of it i think is is really great um you know prior to that and i i think where we bookend yelena's involvement the idea that she's got the file that widows have been free, that there's all these others around the world, particularly where we end her story and the dual, uh, you know, uh, nature of where she could be going, what she's also probably been up to. Um, really excited to get back into that story. The, the level to which they humanized the widows without involving more of them by name by backstory i think was really effective yeah and again i think that's part of the that's part of the stealth nature of the um of the story and its success you know we, we've talked about some of the areas where maybe it's less successful um the notion that this is you know that this is a black widow a black widow yelena origin story as much as it is a Black Widow, Nat, mid-adventure story, as well as the Scarlett Johansson finale story. Um, the, the, the Nat and ScarJo stuff is clear, 
and again, the fact that you kind of leave this movie, which we're not quite done with yet, but the fact that you kind of leave the movie, leave the theater or leave the home theater and go, uh, you're not necessarily asking for more Yelena, but you're ready for more Yelena. That's, that's a, that, that's quite a good trick. And then the lowercase cavalry arrives. Uh, yes, not Melinda May, not the agents of shield, but, uh, help certainly arrives both in the form of the, uh, the, the, freed widows and then they take all the characters that maybe potentially might want to spin off at some point uh specifically uh mom and dad um and come to think of it uh uh, yelena as well uh then the other cavalry arrives uh, arrives uh in terms of uh in terms of uh thaddeus ross and so forth and um we get her in this hero pose that had been the image of the movie the entire time from the first preview, you know, kind of her, you know, magic hour lit by the sun and so forth. Boom. Then there's that, what I would call a rather dramatic end. Um, also slightly weird that we don't go directed by Kate Shortland. We kind of head into some of the lesser credits, but wait, Pete, it's a Marvel movie. There's more. Two weeks later. Yes, we have her with the blonde hair um, and kind of ready for this final turn, which is kind of, I was certainly clear on the timeline of everything, but I think that since I watched all these movies the years they came out, the notion that you kind of, the, the notion that there's Civil War and then, you know, an 18 month or two two year period where she's on the run helping people get loose and then very quickly particularly for people who got dusted there's uh infinity ward and endgame but if you didn't get dusted there's five years like there's all that timeline stuff going on but in terms of number of movies that chronologically come after this you go whoa there she is with the blonde hair the end is really in sight quickly yeah and that they give her the quinjet uh that they give us the avengers theme oh hey look lightning bugs over here there's some interesting choices uh, i would not say ending on an anonymous maybe anonymous is the wrong word but ending on a an uninteresting shot of the fireflies i mean i get it it's this tie back to the firefly thing that got mentioned two hours earlier but as our last moment with this character at least in terms of how it was all shot and presented you know not a great way to end things. Um, luckily, Pete, but wait, there's more and more at the very, very end. No swirly credits, as as Matt has uh, yeah. coined the phrase here, which to me seemed a, a strange uh, transition. And then, obviously, the, the context of the end credit scene, then I'm wondering, okay, were they worried about, you know, building us up and then making us feel the way they need to hear that she's at Natasha's grave in Ohio. Um, I was surprised the level to which this, the beginning of this scene saddened me. But then when we get Julie Louise Dreyfus, uh, Contessa Valentina Allegra de la Fontaine uh, with the the gag obviously that she's uh sniffling at the funeral but instead she's got allergies um and the way that it breaks up the 
the sadness we feel for the loss of what we perceive the last time we're going to have, uh, you know, Natasha Romanoff, Black Widow, um, and then where this scene goes. Well, first of all, let me say, Pete, I knew, I had read ahead of time that it was a Florence Pugh um, scene at the end, um, which, again, was not shocking to me because it was probably about six months ago where it was repeatedly floated that she was going to be in Hawkeye uh, right around the time when Hawkeye started to film, um, which is more than six months ago, but, you know, in that neighborhood. So, okay, great. There's a Florence Pugh scene. Um, I had honestly lost track of the possibility of Julia Louis-Dreyfus showing up, and here's why. I don't know if it was a rumor. Let me take that back. I know it was not a rumor when they shot the main body of the movie because this was shot in... 2020 before covid shutdowns so this was part of the planned this was shot as part of the planned uh black widow reshoots probably because they were trying to preserve secrecy okay fine so it was not a it was not a super heavy rumor prior to this movie coming out and for its original date in part because the footage only existed for about four months until they, if not less, until they officially moved off the date. So if that was a rumor pre-COVID, the world of COVID took that over, at least on my radar. Fast forward to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, when there was the rumor that there was going to be somebody important showing up, I kind of was willfully spoiler-free and not not digging into that. Um, I think at the time it was like, or I think after the fact, when she was revealed to be in Falcon, it was like, oh, that confirmed... Or, Part of the reason people had the rumor for Falcon was because it was built on the rumor of her in Black Widow, but it was a rumor built on a rumor, so at least at the time, people weren't completely sure if she was going to be in Black Widow or not. So fast forward to all this now, we've been through the reveal and so on and so forth with her in Falcon. I honestly did not have her on my radar or the rumor because, again, it was this rumor built on a rumor and the Falcon rumor paid off, but the foundation of it I had lost track of. So when she shows up, I was like, hey, I get it. I get what she's doing. She's kind of this quasi-evil Nick Fury putting together a team of questionable folks. Hashtag it's all connected. And it was a surprise to me. I knew about the cameo. What I did not know was where it would lead and that she hands uh, Elena the iPad with Clint Barton on it this is the man responsible for your sister's death absent obviously the context that we're all too painfully aware of um can we fast forward to hawkeye right now Uh, pete my only complaint about this scene is that when she handed over the ipad the score should have gone (laughs) come on it was just asking for it can somebody cut that now A detailed look at our bad guys. We begin with Roy Winstone's Drakeoff. So, uh, Ray Winstone, fantastic actor. I will always remember him uh, as um, Beowulf in the 3D Robert Zemeckis thing, which I saw in 3D with my uh, wife. I think it was prior to us getting married. But Pete, side note, I'll never... Uh, uh, forget seeing uh, Angelina Jolie in 3D in that movie, but I digress. <laughs> he he didn't look like Beowulf. That was part of the whole character performance thing, but it always makes me think fondly of that. Now, 
he's a great baddie you know um the more is not asked of the character than is needed in terms of you know he's not you know jack nicholson's the joker that kind of thing can we say though the notion of he controls those ladies through his natural man smell baby because manly man smell that's kind of a dumb mechanic thing to have in the story that he because uh, if you kind of follow it through to the metaphor pete he's so manly the ladies just have to listen to him i get what you're trying to say in terms of he's a big alpha dumb male character and i'm glad he gets what's coming to him at the end but man smell baby is just a little dumb it's funny that you bring up you know your uh introduction your greatest memory of roy winstone for me i think of the departed and that he has this russian mafia type of demeanor to this that it's less than a militarized thing even less of of the spy situation more of the outright well in the shadows, how can I control this? And, and now I can come forward that I'm able to gain control of an Avenger. Um, we'll, we'll talk when we look at theories about how you might prevent someone smelling your man smell. Um, Cause there are ways out there. Uh, but for what he was okay, the, the shadowy big bad, I mean, he gets the one big scene, and then what does he do? He he has uh, people protect him and run away like the gigantic coward that he is. I mean, people who, uh, you know, Russian baddies with influence or those influenced by Russians, that's what they tend to do. <laughs> uh, Pete, I do wonder if maybe some ideas were kicked around the different scripts to incorporate certain elements uh of real life um also part of our dossier is of course taskmaster which um i mean i have to go through my memory i don't know how tropey it is to have the mid-level muscle person be different than your actual chief baddie um but taskmaster completely effective in the suit the taskmaster backstory completely worked for me um to to see uh to see um just the state that she was in when that mask comes off and that kind of zombified look there olga kurylenko uh does a great job with that performance which is not maybe you know the most it's not a sophie's choice performance but she she very ably gives us what the character uh needs on screen and i don't know i just i'm still shocked to hear some people didn't dig the character visually story-wise performance and so forth far more dimensional i think than given credit for you know the the henchman you know cool looking bad guy in a suit um you know it's a little different than darth maul but can't for me help but conjure that up but this one pays off in spades and that it's still in play, something we'll talk about again in our next segment, I think is important. Um, but really dig how visually they brought across the concept of mimicking all these different heroes, their fighting styles. Uh, and then, of course, uh, 
as shown ever so briefly, we have the debut question mark scratch out second appearance of the Val character here. Of course, the intention was way back when the intention was you go see uh, you go see Black Widow May 2020. And you go, whoa, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is a... I, I didn't know, because they shot it a couple of months before. And you go, that's weird. And then you watch the first intended uh, Marvel Studios TV show, Falcon the Winter Soldier, that August, and go, oh, there's all these adventures. Wait, who's that? Clickety-clackety. Oh, my goodness. It's Contessa Valentina Allegra de la Fontaine. She's back. Um, we kind of got the reverse and to hear for, for me, Pete, it worked better in the order that we ultimately got because this scene, you go, Ooh, what's she up to? And because of Falcon, you know, Oh, she's kind of crossing lines with people who are in the gray of, of this world. I understand what she's doing better in her short scene here. I mean, there's a reason the timekeepers had the TVA prune that branched reality where we got, <laughs> Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier in August of 2020, and that it unfolded this way, and that it uh, that Marvel Studios TV's advent was uh, WandaVision. Um, I really enjoyed that she popped up again here. The the comedic talent, obviously, that Julia Louis Dreyfus possesses to be able to shift that scene from super sad to laugh out loud and you know all right so we've been introduced to her before i mean side note too matt the the she's always going to have that credit she's the first one to go from marvel studios tv to the films so that will always be that jeopardy answer okay and that she is now firmly bad she has u.s agent now she's manipulating Yelena, uh, future Black Widow. Okay. And, you know, is she setting up Thunderbolts? Are we going in that direction? But, you know, we've we've got the the baton pass of the Nick Fury esque uh, you know, role character and that she's the one. I mean, where does she show up next? Well, wherever she shows up, I know that we'll be podcasting that, and that is made possible by those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek, making sure that the entire multiverse of podcasts that we do stay up there, and when some of them go missing, oddly, we uh, are able to get there behind the scenes and fix it all. So thank you to everybody who keeps us listener-supported. Everybody who contributes gets access to podcast content. could be something that's only going to be ever on patreon.com like the most recent thing we recorded or it could be in the form of early listens but always looking to add value to the people that help us do this for you additionally if you can't contribute right now you can always get yourself over to apple Podcasts. leave us a rating in seconds leave us a review helps just as much welcome to level seven Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, how did Natasha get away from Ross to two weeks later? I think it might be one of those things that it's because she's so plucky and resourceful um, that 
that was able to happen. I, I think it's one of those things where it's best not knowing the trick. Um, if you want to say, well, maybe it's actually a shortcoming in the story because you had Ross placing pressure in the beginning and therefore he has to show up towards the end. Um, maybe that doesn't have to, but it makes sense to kind of cap things off. Uh, no, cap pun intended. Uh, if it's a weaker end, so be it. I would excuse it as, of course she did. A, we knew she would because we've seen Infinity War already. And on top of that, she's Black Widow, man. Of course she does. Hey, get that redheaded lady, not that blonde lady walking away. See, it works. Change the hair color. Ross is out there going, excuse me, blonde young lady, have you seen the Black Widow? And she says, no. It's simple as that, Pete. Um, Pete, what did Yelena do for the seven years between the end of this movie, or rather the end of this narrative and then the deleted scene, not deleted scene, the secret scene at the end, and was she snapped? That's going to be a fascinating thing to find out. My money's on that she hasn't that she wasn't snapped 2016 to 2023 that's a lot of time to be liberating all these other widows who were you know a a command away from crashing the stock market or you know manipulating fuel prices or causing a pandemic oh my god (laughs) um Pete, your current events point aside, doesn't the character have more potential to still be on that mission, to still need a vow, if it's not been seven years, but it's been only two because she was snapped? Yes, but I think to a lesser extent. I mean, what, what have we learned from WandaVision that the return of characters that's seeing that happen with Monica Rambeau and uh, sorry if that spoiled you, you know, five and a half months after the fact. Um, but that's super compelling. And then you do Falcon and the winter soldier, which two with two characters who had gone away. And obviously we did not see them return, but to address the world situation, and uh, obviously the disarray that's gone on with that and the tension it's created in the world, I think you could additionally explore that. You know, we know that Barton and obviously Kate Bishop are going to come together in that series. But to throw Yelena into that now, who I think, despite being uh, nowhere near as verbose as natasha has this gravitas to her to learn more about her on her mission to add now this additional mission albeit misguided and that'll be the thrust of that series wait we too are friends we are same same uh to to find that out and and how close obviously clint was to natasha her not knowing that because she did not know her surrogate sister, obviously, since their childhood. It's going to make it, again, super compelling. What do you place are the odds for a Red Guardian spinoff? Um, do you place it back back then? Do you place it more in the modern times of the MCU? Is it live action? Is it animated? What are your thoughts? 
I'll give you my pie in the sky hope. Um, we know that Falcon and the Winter Soldier, obviously the, the card changed at the end to uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. We know that they're going to the film end now. Uh, but I'd love to, if not in that film, in possibly a return to TV as Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I think that'd be a perfect landing spot. You know, Harbor is busy right now, and understandably so. Um, but to drop him into the right mix with this, I mean... What, what does he fit in? What does he not fit in in terms of their current slate? You know, off the success of Disney Plus premiere and the combined numbers of Black Widow. And, you know, I think context too, Matt, we did not mention for that. So A Quiet Place 2 is just south of $150 million as the leading uh, domestic box office champ for 2021 and that of course will carry an asterisk the same way that 2020 did um black widow is already uh closing in on third it will be if not the top spot it'll be very close to the top spot and then again you know how you now factor in the streaming situation and that that money's been announced for the first time I think is important do you throw that in the next couple of weeks is that a, a D23 situation the next slate of shows and or films or projects but there's no way we've seen the last of this character well just in terms of the obvious landing spots for Disney PR in the next six months uh, Disney is skipping San Diego Comic-Con at home. Um, there's a much more modest San Diego thing in December that I think is, with all due respect to San Diego Comic-Con, I think is more meant to keep the in-person thing alive than to be a natural kind of landing spot for Splash. Uh, the next D23 is in Mr. Walter Disney's World of Walter Disney in November. So that would be... A very logical spot. Do they drop something the month before at New York Comic Con, which will be in person, uh, or is I, I should say is is planned to be in person at this point? I think there's every indication that it will be. Um, I don't know. I, if you're Disney and you wanna, I would peg, for example, Hawkeye is coming out around Christmas time, uh, in part because there's scenes in it that take place around Christmas time. Um, you know. If D23 is before Hawkeye comes out, do you announce it at D23 or do you announce it at New York Comic Con where you might have to compete with, oh man, and then, you know, Westworld did a crazy uh, stunt and now people are talking about that. Oh, Hawkeye what? You know, so I, in terms of that, I don't know. I, I would peg the next major info dump will be D23 in November. Well, that we've had the red room before on agent Carter, Matt, in that series available on Disney plus that we've podcast the agent Carter podcast by fantastic geek. And now that we have the red room here complete with bond esque, uh, flying compound helicarrier variant. Um, once again, we can say it's truly connected for the first time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 
it, it harkens back to when Marvel Television was pulling from the scraps that Marvel Studios would let them use. I mean, heck, even before that, when it was kind of more of a co-equal situation before Kevin Feige kind of wrested more essential control of Marvel uh, Studios from the New York offices. But, I don't know, it is nice to have these connections here, even though I think if you went back and looked at the Agent Carter uh, Red Room stories that you would say, oh, I kind of see how this is this is the fat that was cut off the meat, but you know, that's that that's just how that goes, I suppose. Well, if nothing less, you're looking for more red room, it it's there. You can go back and get that, and that still works, and now you have this, and hashtag it's all connected, hashtag it's truly connected for the first time. <laughs> so we of course um have Valentina who's reached out to US agent who has looped in Yelena, revealed they've been working together. Um, Pete, you might posit, you might think Hawkeye is the next place for it to pop up. What if I have a suggestion that Valentina could show up even before that? What if she does? I'm not even talking about the what if, so that's not a bad, uh, that's not a bad guess either. Pete, we know that in Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings coming out in September only in theaters, at least that's what Disney says right now, um friday <laughs> uh yeah uh, we know that um abomination coming from all the way from the ed norton hulk that abomination shows up in it maybe valentina has recruited abomination as well do we get a 60 second scene with her there the concept of the thunderbolts uh, of this kind of anti-avenger team up how they do this is going to be fascinating to watch. And even then, you know, who, who fills out the roster? Is it Walker? Is it Zemo? Yelena? Who, who's, who's next? All I know is uh, if Valentina goes anywhere near Kamala Khan, we riot. <laughs> uh, Pete, will we ever, ever get told not just told through voice. Will we ever see the story of of uh, Budapest, a.k.a. Budapest? Could it be a what-if situation? Is that, you know, like, like I assumed wrongly, it would need to be in a Black Widow solo film. Okay, you didn't have Renner in that for whatever reason. Didn't want to overshadow. Uh, rightly give it her story instead of a, a shared situation. Do you make it part of the Hawkeye show? Um, I, I think there's places to do it. We've we've ably explained it. And now you watch Avengers and you know, oh, okay, this is like what happened. This was the thing with Antonia and uh, the Red Room, and this was her way out of S.H.I.E.L.D. It was essentially a loyalty test, all of that, um, which is ironic to think the, the dark places she's been pushed by S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, to get out of a already dark place. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I, I'd, I'd want to see that action uh, sequence Maybe you do it in, in the animated way. We don't know that What If is a is a one-off. What if, Matt, there's a second season of What If? 
I feel like, and I might be mixing up my 10-episode season of Marvel versus my 10-episode season of animated Star Trek, I feel like a second season is underway, although I'm looking at a thing I have printed out now that only says one season and 10 episodes. Maybe that's just in terms of its first release. I would bet that there's another bunch of 10 what-ifs coming for summer next year. Uh, So if in the interim there's the Budapest story or there's more Antonia and that's the best place to put it, so be it. I would think, Pete, if there's a Yelena Black Widow arc of some substance, I would think that Antonia would reappear. Now, again, Florence Pugh shows up for 20 minutes in one episode of six episodes of Hawkeye. Um, Okay, maybe that's not time for Antonia. However... It could be, uh, it, it could be Yelena and Antonia both show up, and Antonia has very few lines, and Florence Pugh has most of them, that kind of thing. So, um, I would bet better than fifty-fifty that we see more Antonia at some point. It doesn't have to be soon. I mean, Matt, what Marvel Studios film-going fans would buy uh, that the once mind-controlled, um, you know, essential. Uh, companion of another character would pop back up and then get his own stories. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. That's a different show. Let's check the wire. Pete, we have our poll on Twitter. What did people think of the uh, return of Marvel to the big screen with Black Widow? Uh, one star, Sever the Nerve, got 2%. Two stars, Falling Debris, got 8%. Three stars, Welcome Home, got 58%. And four stars, Marvel's Best, question mark, got 32%. So, Pete, I think that's a very fair vote there. The vast majority in between three and four, leaning a little bit more towards the three than the four. Uh, We heard from our captain, second time this weekend. We've had the honor to hear from her. Uh, Noelle Gardner, that's at Noelle Camille, said, Better than I expected. Yelena definitely stole the show. Her call-out of the superhero pose with the hand and the hair flip was great. I think the post-credit uh, plays better since it came after Falcon the Winter Soldier. I wonder what's Zemo's stance on Alexi. Uh, uh, it's just another fascinating reason why these characters are going to need to interact. Maybe, maybe that's the place once the Thunderbolts are... Is there another synonym for assembled? <laughs> that the... That the bad or shadowy people would would say thunderbolts together they go after an alexi that that we would have the sympathy for the the people they're after uh the true appreciation and enjoyment of them i mean you'd you'd hope the best days of marvel aren't behind us but it really feels like they're just continuing we also heard from Andre Yeager, that's at Dr. Polo in 1983. Good start to movie to the movie portion of Phase 4. Yelena Belova, who Pete, I see, has her own, uh, if you do the hashtag, she has her own emoji there. A good job there, Twitter. Uh, Yelena stole the movie. She is such a smart A star star. Pete, I don't know what Andre is trying to say. I'll just have to be confused there. Loved her little quips throughout the movie, especially this one. And he includes the gif of her uh, attempting the superhero landing in private in the base. 
Uh, we heard from Steve Thurbridge. That's at Steve Thurbridge, who said, thoroughly enjoyed Black Widow. Happy to have the MCU back. Good origin, good closure. Marvel still rushes through their contractually obligated CGI'd third act. Uh, four out of five stars. Noteworthy that the top two movies right now are about family. Hashtag F9. Oh, uh, he stole my joke. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> what was your joke, Pete? I was going to make a family joke with... Uh with fast nine at some point like everybody's <laughs> doing right now so you you got me this time steve i will say this at least the third act didn't involve um a late beam shooting up it was uh, a heavy solid falling down so it's completely different uh, we heard from james the sagacious it's at uh, big killin on twitter i agree yelena was amazing can we get her in a deadpool crossover where they watch superhero movies uh mystery science style the writing slash dialogue was better than the action the family dinner family with the ph was on par with wandavision widows versus dora milaje coming soon Oof. and andre yeager replies and says i would so pay for that pete when we're done with the podcast i'm going to quote tweet james's suggestion and i'm going to uh tag ryan reynolds and see if we can get something happening there it'll all be due to james yeah. there uh we also heard from darren bell that's at darren b4605259 uh the scene with yelena asking about the superhero landings made me crack up also is there a chance we're seeing marvel tease a dark slash secret avengers with the post credit scenes coupled with what we saw in falcon the winter soldier i think pete you would say an enthusiastic yes that they are teasing that absolutely and you gotta wonder like when that stuff will get announced i mean they're they're filming she hulk now they seem to be done with moon knight uh so you know this this next slate this introduction of phase four closure at the same time you know opening up to these new characters yeah it's it's exciting Peter, last tweet comes from Brian S. It's at Brian O-E-N-O on Twitter. Uh, Brian with a Y, I should mention. Good flick. Glad we could watch it at home. Don't know that I would have paid for a babysitter so we could see it in a theater, but it was a solid story, well acted, and had some laughs. Yelena is a welcome addition. So, I mean, Pete, everybody's saying the same thing. Solid movie, fun time. Yelena is the cream that rises to the top. Yeah, and I think that pew between this and the other things obviously with her you know more serious film uh success we're gonna have her in marvel for quite a time to come well you know i've said it before and i'll say it again the year that scarlett johansson was in the biggest movie of all time playing black widow in endgame she was also one of five women ever to be nominated for best actress and best supporting actress in the same year uh, for Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit. So you, there's a path through Marvel, which isn't just, hey, they put me in a harness and I go in front of a green screen and they drop me and I go, die, Thanos. You know, and then they, whatever, make a whole fake background at, on computers. Like, there's a way where you get stardom. There's a way where you have apparently a fun time working, where you get paid nicely. And then that gives the, that stardom and that pay gives you the flexibility to go off and do you know, uh, frankly, better movies than Black Widow in terms of Marriage Story and uh, and uh, certainly Jojo Rabbit. But you can have it all. The path is through Marvel. Pete, let's certainly keep the conversation going, particularly with Loki on the horizon. Presumably in the next month, we're going to get 
Ms. Marvel dates, Hawkeye date, maybe even a Moon Knight date. Um, we, of course, have Shang-Chi and Eternals and Spider-Man to look forward to uh, later this calendar year. So how can people be in touch with you to talk about Marvel? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-12033. Followers can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek. All one word with the P and the H like it today. Just a reminder, towards the end of this month, we'll be doing some maintenance on the Marvel Movie Podcast feed. So hopefully that doesn't uh, make anything too funky and results in more content on there uh certainly for now though pete the adventure will continue over on the loki podcast feed on the pop culture podcast feed as we wrap uh up that series and start to look ahead into uh star trek lower decks in august along with of course talking more about what if in the future with that pete i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word pain only makes us stronger